Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Well, hello, everybody. It is I, Rosie O'Donnell, star of Wide Awake. I know that's a movie you've never seen, but I'm in it with Dana Delaney and with Dennis Leary. And it's a great film by Night Shyamalan before he did all of his successful movies. And I play a nun. So look for that if you want something to watch. That's not the news because, oh boy, is there news. Um... The war, when we're recording this, is uh, is a few days in, and it's terrifying, all of it. Absolutely horrific and traumatizing to so many. And, you know, here, here, here's uh, something I read that really I thought was succinct and perfect. Palestinian people are not Hamas. Jewish people are not Israel. Israel is a state. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Please understand the difference. Both Palestinian and Jewish people deserve freedom, self-determination, and safety. Islamophobia and anti-Semitism are unacceptable. And, you know, that's... um, That's the truth and just the horrors of this group Hamas, the brutality, the medieval-like debauchery is, uh, well, it's terrifying. And and that's what the goal of that organization is, to end the Jewish people and to end Israel. And um, it's very overwhelming. And we all pray for peace and and for some kind of a solution. And, of course, for the return of the hostages. Um, This is going on in just a couple days. Uh, Well, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. It is Thursday, October 12th. 
when I'm recording this as I am headed over to London, folks. I'm headed over to London. And um, I don't know what has happened in the war since this moment, 1030 on October 12th. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I just pray for peace. So I am flying to London to see Madonna's opening night. You know, to have befriended her so many years ago before I had children while doing that movie, League of Their Own, and to think now, you know, at 61 and 65, we're still friends and we still love each other and we're still there for each other. And that's, you know, really that's all you need in life is uh, to show up for the people you love, I believe. And it matters, you know, just like it matters when people show up for you. So there you have it. We have a wonderful show today. A uh, close friend of mine and um, a wonderful talent, a writer, a songwriter, uh, a poet, a painter, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend, Sophie B. Hawkins. And she had that huge hit in the 90s, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. And uh, we met shortly after that. And, you know, you have profound loves in your life. And I think for me, uh, this was one of them, you know. We were both very young all those years ago. But here she is. She's got a brand new album. She's got two beautiful children. She's worked on her herself and her life and is quite introspective and, and quite uh, captivating, I believe. So take a listen. Here uh, is my buddy, Sophie B. Hawkins. Sophie Ballantyne Hawkins. How are you, Rose? How are you? It's so good to see you and to know that I have you trapped for one hour and I can ask you anything. You can, and you know I'll answer. I like that you say trapped for one hour. Yeah, because I know you like to do a lot of things. You're always <laughs> like creating something. And, you know, I, I have found that, uh, you know, we've known each other how many years? Let's get that out of the way. Let's talk about when we met. Do you want to? Okay, sure, yes. I mean, well, I... Saw you. I was on tour for Tongues and Tales. I was somewhere in the Midwest. I went to see A League of Their Own, Mm -hmm. and I called Lori Eastside, and I said, you got to go see A League of Their Own. Rosie O'Donnell is so fabulous. I love her so much. Then, I don't know who, you invited me to your comedy show. It was down the stairs somewhere in the West Village, right? Uh, it was actually Caroline's Comedy Club, but you you do walk downstairs to get to the showroom. Yes. So then I watched you and I thought you were the funniest thing ever. Oh, Because I oh, even now I think you're the funniest thing ever. You just <laughs> have to say anything. And I started to laugh. And then you did a spoof on Damn. Remember you were squeezing your butt cheeks together and you had your butt facing the audience and you're like, how does she get up there? Damn. And you would squeeze your cheeks. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that. No, but I believe you. Yes. And then after the show... We connected, and then we've yes. been connecting ever since <laughs> in it's our so various true. ways. Various ways. And we had a long period where we were out of each other's worlds. 
Ugh. for like a decade or so. It was horrible. It wasn't good for me either, I have to tell it you. Was, and it wasn't really, it wasn't my desire. It was the forces around me. And I've had to work through a lot of things like that in my life. And I think a lot of people do who come from uh, these very controlled environments in childhood. What do they right. call it? Lots of things. They call it lots yeah. of things. Now, your childhood was the most magical childhood that I, and it was a difficult childhood, I would say. When you introduced me to your world and I got to know and love your sister and your brother and your fantastical mother in this non-conventional reality that you shared on Central Park, it was a magical, creative time for me. Wow, Rosie, that's amazing. I did feel it was magical, and I feel I honored that in my lyrics mm -hmm. and was very devoted. You also sensed other things in my lyrics, and you pointed them out. You were the first person to really do that. Mm -hmm. The birth of creativity is sort of the darkness, the struggles of mm. humanity. So to be free of convention, often you wander into places that are almost too unconventional, no boundaries. Yes. So, And you were a child. I was a child. I was a child, yes. buddied wild in Manhattan. And mm. so, like, in a way, freedom has its price. Yes. But, you know, interesting, Rose, because the, the decade that we weren't in touch, the minute that that ended, I was actually standing in my house in Venice, and the relationship had ended, and all the, the constructs of what I had been doing for all those years building up were gone, and I had my son, Dashall, and he was four and a half. And we were there alone in this house that we had built. And I was looking out the window at the eucalyptus tree, and I said, the gates are open, the guards are gone. Why are you still here? Mm. And then I whooshed Dashall up, and I came back to Manhattan, came to the Upper West Side, and put him in the public school that my sister had sent her kids and reunited with my family, and I didn't know how that was going to go. Right. But that was the beginning of my new era. It was a rebirth for you, completely. Back to yourself. Yes, it's true, Rose. And in a way, the self with the wisdom, like the self that was there was there, but always fighting against something to maintain my equilibrium. And now I'm the self not having to fight against anything, and I am my equilibrium. I have this home, and I have my children. And I'm still single, but feeling, but not, there's no but. I feel incredibly grounded and happy. I think there's several times a day where I say, I love my life. Mm. And I say it to my children, I love our life. Kids, do you love our life? <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Wait till they get a little older, then they'll start telling you all the details. I know. Your, your son, I, I got to know a little bit. He's gorgeous, first of all. Your daughter, I haven't really met. I haven't you met her met yet. You Esther? You no. But Esther. I would love to, to meet her and, and have you meet Dakota. Oh, yes. Uh, we both had a child at 50. You gave birth. Yes. I adopted. Yes. What, what, what kind of societal pressure did you feel about doing it at that age? Or were you just, did you know your body could do it and onward? Yes, I knew my body could do it, and I don't know why. But I had a, a, a lot of things happen. I'll sit down and I'll ask the universe or my ancestors, or goddesses and gods, whatever. I'm asking, what should I do? There was a moment where I said, should I have a child, another child, should I have this girl? I knew it was going to be a girl. I had one embryo that I had frozen 
And everyone said the chances of your frozen embryo that you froze 20 years ago thawing and coming into a child's body is almost nothing. And I said, I'll be quiet because I know it's going to be a girl. But I had to decide whether I was really <laughs> ready to be a parent. Now, so isn't, sat- that know- isn't that knowing something you've always had, sort of? Yes, you had a, yes. I think I've had that, too, inside my life always. Yes, oh, no, but I know this is going to be true. So I have to do this because I know it. Yes. Right? Yeah. You were certain this was a girl. I was certain. And then, so I sat in a little shaft of light and uh, because I had to either go because they had already started to thaw the embryo. I had to go into L.A. because they can't ship an embryo from L.A. to New York. There's all sorts of laws about that. I had to go and put the embryo in me and have this child, or I would say, no, I'm going to be the mother of Dashiell, which would have been honestly fine. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know the reason I should have another child. So I sat down and I asked, and this voice came to me, but it wasn't a voice with tone. It was words. And she said, I will heal Dashiell because only a child can truly understand a child. I said, Mm. okay, I'm in. You're coming. Wow. And then when I was in LA about to put the embryo in me, I crouched down and I called my sister, which was interesting because we had been estranged for a long time. But I called her and I said, should I have this little girl? And she said, go for it. How do you think being a mother changed your world? Well, this is interesting. It's a great question because I've always been myself with my children and I've always wanted to learn how to love them the way that is best for them. So without thinking about it, I guess if there was an ultimate way to teach somebody something, they have to be passionate about it, which I am passionate about being a mother. Mm -hmm. And then they have to not think about what they're doing. They have to only think of the thing that they're passionate about. And it becomes sort of playful. So how it's changed my world is it's taught me to be myself with another person in the most pure way, never Mm. thinking of what I should be doing for myself or I never thinking, should I protect myself? Only thinking, what should I be doing for this person? Like to serve. You're serving another soul. Yes. Right? And that's good way. for me. That, yes. And that's good for me. And it's not, maybe not good for everybody, but it works for me in everything. Because I naturally have, like you pointed out, a drive to always be creating. And in that tumultuous drive, can sometimes I can wreak have it, I guess, because I'm thinking of what I'm doing, what I want to do, my goals, whatever. But then the children come into it and I think, wait a minute, what's best for this human being who I love so much who I couldn't bear to hurt? Unfortunately, we do hurt our children. And then that's the greatest lessons of all is Mm -hmm. when we walk away and we go, oh man, did I mess up? How am I going to repair this? Right. Well, you know, I don't think I ever did that for other people, but I do it daily with my children. What a wonderful insight. But you know, you you have to cut yourself some slack too. Growing up in a chaotic environment and I would put chaos there. Would you put chaos? Yes, of course. Yes, okay. that, was, that was the that was the food. Yes, that was the the entire meal was chaos. It was all <laughs> chaotic. And and uh, but to me so exotic. Yes. It was so exotic. Now, I grew yeah. up in, as you made fun of me when you first saw my home. Oh, I was so me. Very suburban, right? <laughs> I grew up in like the heart of suburbia. And you were this 
wild family in the middle of Central Park. Like, yeah. you knew Central Park like the back of your hand. Your family would take walks together through Central Park. It was so artistic. It was so out of my reality that I like fell in love with the whole lore of it, you know? And, and only as I grew older and, and then we hadn't been in each other's lives for so long, did I worry about what that really does to a tiny kid and how they're able to form the, the synapses that were maybe not connected in their childhood, in adulthood, and be able to kind of uh, survive it. Does, does that make sense? Yes. First of all, I want to say to you that I always did feel that I was too judgmental of mm. when I would see the picture on the fridge and I would say, you know, whatever, you all look so suburban. And I don't know why I had such a fear of that. And I actually do love normalcy. And yeah. in some ways, people call me normal. They go, you're so normal. But I think what they mean is that I'm, there's no frills and, you know, I don't really love drama, but your family, there wasn't really a reason for me to be judgmental. And I think that's my fear of seeing myself, which I've realized really recently, like I was deep fear of intimacy. And yes. so picking on you was a way to put up a wall. I'm mm. so sorry. Honey, it's okay. <laughs> oh. We were young, first of all. <laughs> we were very young. Yeah. And we were both, you know, so uh, in the launching of our careers, you know? Yes, yes. I, was, I had met you right before, or right as League came out, and, and your record was, was out, and Damn was a huge hit. And yeah. I remember telling Marjorie Gross, I go, that, that woman is captivating. And she said, I know her. Oh, and wow, I was she like, did? You remember Marjorie Gross? She died of cancer. Yes, about, I do. Yes, and, and she uh, knew you through some friends. and Oh, from she, Pat Place. Yes, she, that's right. She roomated with me on Prince Street, and that's, or she left and I moved in. That was the apartment that I wrote as I lay me down in. That was ah. a fun house. They had like four cats and the toilet was on a throne and it was just very wild. Yeah, well, well, you were you had that big hit, and I remember saying uh, as, as a joke, she said, "Oh, she's she's uh, you know gay or she's whatever you know, the word was the whatever the word is that we're using now." Uh, and I was like, "Are you kidding?" She's like, "No," and she goes, "And I can introduce you to her." And I was like, "Done." But we were so young and so on the brink of something, you yeah. know, and yeah. and parenthood, motherhood was about to arrive, and and you know, I had Parker first, and and. Uh, Remember uh, going over to your house to see you? You'd be painting and yes. you'd toddle around. And then you had your own blonde boy, which I yes. thought was so so marvelous. So much later than you. See, Rosie, when you had Parker, I didn't even know that I would ever be a parent. And I hadn't even frozen my embryos yet. Wow. I couldn't have conceived of being a parent when you had Parker. That and And, you know, I didn't understand then mm, anything mm. that you had started to do. And then it wasn't till much later, till I was 40, I had Dasha of 44. Right. And that also, in a way, set me on my path to myself again from being, because what you're talking about, the way that I grew up, there is a way in which a person, it's kind of hard to sort of say it and not say it, but the kind of person who, dissociates to get through things and you create all these other worlds and it and it's true my mother was the best at creating worlds the best mm. at sort of dissociating creating other personalities 
She made it all fun and very creative, and she was a writer. So what a model of survival. So mm -hmm. she survived the most horrendous things in childhood, you know, sexual abuse, incest, all of it, alcoholism, you name it, she survived it. Right. But she did it with like this, of her day, the dashing, creative feminist. You know, mm -hmm. she put band-aids on her nipples instead of wearing a bra. Right. And I thought that was normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And cute. And, um, and then she raised us in Manhattan with no sense of like, structure or even though she understood structure she was disciplined and she was, and i liked that about her because she wrote every day she didn't sense that we needed any protection or any kind of looking after when life got harder in my 30s in the sense of like yes i had gotten to the point where i made my first and second record i so successful and of course we all work like dogs that's a given but then it started to be that how do i keep my place in the world and keep growing and changing as a female artist mm. how do i not be repetitive how do i not go daddy 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 what should i do and be a stronger and stronger woman in this world that was in a way turning against the female artist for a while the end yes. of the 90s was difficult so you know then i decided to to get off sony and become an independent artist but also i was looking for protection mm. and the problem with looking for protection is that you're always going to find someone who doesn't have the slightest idea how to protect you. Right. And, and in fact, it's going to turn out the opposite. Yes. So luckily that I have grown out of that with a lot of work. That's wonderful. And, and I had to grow out of constantly being the protector. Yes. And I think in some ways I, I still do it and I, and I have tremendous anxiety when a world issue comes up. Uh, it just takes me under the undertow and I'm lost in the dark sea for a while. You know, wow. I, I am unable, I, I am forced to face how little control we all have in life every time that this happens. And it, un, it like, it's like I grow and shed a skin inside my soul or something. And, and it takes me a while to get my equilibrium back, to tell you the truth. When we have lived through our own personal devastation, when a world devastation sits next to it, you realize how fragile you really are. We'll be back with more Sophie B. Hawkins right after this. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? 
then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. How old are your children now? 15 about? Well, Dashiell's 14. He'll 14. be 15 November 17th. Uh-huh. And Esther is eight, and she just turned eight in July. Wow. Great ages. Yeah, yeah the, it actually really is great. Dashiell's at the age where he wakes himself up, he makes his own breakfast, he cooks all the time. He's a very good chef. And he, you know, does, he's very disciplined, he's very organized, and he's very soulful and sort of like a natural Buddhist. And mm. Esther's at the age where she's challenging everything, and I really like it because she's funny about it. It's, <laughs> it's, all, it's all really nice for me. And then it, it helps in a way. You know what's really interesting, too? I can, do, I can write songs with my children around. I never could ever work in front of anybody else mm. in a way I love that I write all my music myself, but there was also this feeling that I didn't really want to share that part of myself or open it up. And then yes. I noticed that with my children, I can do anything, write songs, record songs, sing pay in front of them. And there's not this, again, there's not this feeling that they're, they don't want anything from me. They're not trying to eat me up for dinner. They're not trying to capture something. And this has been a, a, something that I've really struggled with in the world, having been famous. Mm-hmm. And you seem to feast off fame, and it's not an insult, it's not even a judgment. It seems like it feeds you. And fame was very frightening to me. Because yes. I well, it was like frightening f- to me. It was frightening to me in retrospect. Oh, I see. But while I was on the wave, I knew I had to surf. So I stayed on that wave and focused and did the wave. But when I got back to the beach, all these years on the beach, mm-hmm. wow, it was terrifying to be in the big waves. <laughs> like I wow. am much more comfortable in my life having the level of notoriety that I do where I can go to the Beyonce concert and, you know, people are just friendly and I'm in a normal seat. I'm not in some VIP, you know, and it's nice. It's nice to sort of have, have my life feel like mine again. Yeah. I was so desperately afraid to lose that mine. And you know what? Also because Rose, the artist, I think I haven't thought about it too much, but I think the artist is the person who creates their work and they own their work. And there are very few things you can do on this earth for money that you actually own what you do, that it is your work. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people can become extremely successful or not, but they don't own what they do at the end of the day. Right. The artist does. And I had some, you know, I've always identified very strongly with what I'm creating and I wanted, above all, to be the artist that I could be. By the time I die, I wanted to have fulfilled to be the greatest artist that I can be. And that, it was very hard for me to get identified with the world because the world inside of me was the one that was more important and I didn't want it chipped away at or touched. And so I think one growth now as an older person and as a mother is realizing that I can be permeable, that mm. I can be that 
a, even a stronger artist. I love my new songs. They're different than the old songs, but they're just as strong and, and beautiful. And performing now is so natural where I used to think, oh, I have to be nervous and, you know, do calisthenics before I go on. Now I just, and myself, I walk on it and I just love that there's no difference between the Sophie on stage and the Sophie who climbs back into bed. With yeah, well, that that should be the goal of, of every person because whether it's fame or not, you know, at work, people are different and, you know, but to, to have that kind of um, merge of, of all the different facets and aspects of yourself so that you're steady and calm in, in, in who you are is the biggest gift you could give yourself, you know, and it's not easy to attain. It takes age and, and wisdom and, and work and for me therapy and art and music. Oh, I love and, my therapy. Yeah, I love mine too, really. Do you have a good therapist? I have a wonderful therapist and uh so do I. My other one uh, about a few years, five years, six years ago retired and I thought I'm never gonna find another one and and I did. And uh her name is Anne and she's very, very helpful to me in my life and world. Not having a partner, um I need the help. Well you know it's strangely enough I've never really had a partner with my children because even though I was in the partnership when I had Dashiell, that person didn't wasn't really interested in being a parent. And that's, you know, in a big way why the relationship split up mm. probably at the end of the day. Um, so I sometimes wonder if it would be easier or harder with a partner because some of the ease with, of not having a partner is not fighting with somebody Correct. over things and I like coming to a consensus over time with my kids, and I, you know how I like my time to make decisions. I, I w don't think it would be easy for me to be the same mother if I was working against someone. Even some very strong friends I've had have mm -hmm. been very difficult to have around because they're so opinionated and so wrong. The thing is, every time you have an opinion, <laughs> so wrong is the well, best part sure. of it. Because if you if you have an opinion about how a child should be, you're already yes. wrong. Right, right. Because what does anyone know about yeah. what someone else should yeah. be? Well, you know what's interesting, be? self having Dakota who has autism. Everyone in my world feels as though they have the right, even though they've never parented an autistic kid. Uh, to tell me what's right and wrong about her behavior and how she is. You know, my other children do it. I'm like, so do you think that I needed guidance when I was doing this with you? Do you think I needed someone telling me whether or not she should be allowed to wear Crocs? You know, I mean, you know, like to, to the some fancy. Th I'm like, I don't really care what she wears as long as she's comfortable. They are comfortable. And right. then, the you know, calling them the pronouns they prefer, they and them. My older kids are like, why are you doing that? She's too young to choose that. I'm like, because she asked me to. Yeah, that's, that's why huge. I'm doing it. If a child asked you something, that's it. Yes. Already. And that's already showing that it's like she's way beyond so many people. You know, um, I think also the proof is in the pudding. I love old sayings. But at, now that I have an almost 15-year-old, and I can see how he's developed, and I can say to myself, I don't want to argue with people and say, you know, I was right about all this stuff. But I do notice that I was because. <laughs> <laughs> I love because, this part of you. Tell me why you were right. Tell well, me. Because I see how uh, independent 
and calm he is. I see him making such great decisions daily and not asking for anyone's opinion. He's, even the way he sets up his room, cleans his room, the choices he makes in what he wants to do over the summer, all the things he does, they're so, first of all, beyond me. There's nothing that I could have ever thought of. And the fact that they come from him and that he does them and with such clarity, seriously, I'm amazed. And people said, you're too close to him. You guys no such thing. Right? No such thing. I agree with you. I agree with yes. you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be reading him stories at 11 and falling asleep next to him. And I always thought, you know, he'll let me know, just like Dakota. He will let me know when he's done with something. And boy, does he let me know in the most graceful way. He just mm. lets me know when he's on to something new or done with something. And so that's what I mean when I say, um, right, is that I see him making phenomenal choices for himself. That's great, self. Yes. It really is. But, you know, you, first of all, you got the genes and you got the environment and then you got the roll of the dice, right? You know, each one is, is different. And I, I think what you found is, uh, is a beautiful way to live in unison with two other equal humans. That's, That's what, what I feels. see. That's yes. what I see you doing. Yeah. Yes. And that it's very beautiful. So the way the way you are in the world, the the way that you perceive life and live it is uh, remains inspiring to me. Oh, and, gross. yeah. That's it always so nice was. It always was. And and uh, I, I want you to know that the new the new record that I just just got um, is fantastic. And I love that I, I say record because no kids even have a concept of that anymore, yeah. but um, it is on Spotify and everywhere else you get the whole record on Spotify, Free Myself, and I love that um, Love Yourself song. Yeah. I think it's so, so wonderful, so you. Yeah, it's a which, true which, story. Is it? Well, you could tell. I went to a party, the folks were fine. Yeah. I ate coconut cake, I drank all red wine. Can't you imagine? I can imagine. <laughs> then I came home and instead of saying, I'm a fat pig and I shouldn't have done that. I said, the, the thought, like the lyrics say, you would not believe the thoughts in my head. Oh, baby, love yourself. It literally happened. And it was, you know, it, it wasn't that it was, I am programmed to love myself. It's that all those years of consciously working on getting rid of the negativity and getting mm -hmm. rid of the dependency on mm. everyone else's control. Yes. Finally, the thoughts came healthy and clear, and they were there. And that's what I want to say to everybody. It does work. Every step you take towards freeing yourself, to mm. love yourself, to be yourself, it all works. And there will be that moment. I had a moment. I was standing. I was just about to dive into a pool. It was about a week ago. And I said, my home, my actual home is my mind. Yes. And so, Right? And so it's one thing to always hear, meditate, you live inside yourself, but it's another thing to actually realize that the contents, the, the space in my mind, every, the way that I feel in my mind is actually my world. Every, think about it. So I was smiling as I almost dove into this water and I said, because my mind is phenomenal uh -huh. for, for me. It's only good for me, but... <laughs> I was like, this is... I wouldn't say only. I wouldn't say only. Well, but but like, you I, understand it best. Yes, yes. And then I said to myself, and the tagline is, I don't need a facelift. 
because I'm actually living in my mind, not my body. And the right. facelift won't help my mind. Right. It might the, twist your mind because exactly, you end up exactly not looking it. like who you are. I you don't got know. It. It's, you got yeah. it. And then when people look at me, they won't th- see my mind. They'll see either a bad or good facelift or they'll wonder whether I had one. They won't be looking at me through my eyes and they won't be seeing my thoughts going into their head. And then I Right. And myself, that's why I think for actresses, you're yes. taking away your instruments. Yes. You are so right. It is so important. And I, and my son said to me, he said, if you ever have a facelift, I will be so upset with you and every friend you have who's approved of it and every friend you have who has a facelift, I don't want to know about that. (laughs) You raised a strong feminist boy. That's fantastic. Yes. But can you believe I had this concept that the facelift is actually something that destroys your confidence and and that, that, that all women and men have to realize that you actually are living in your mind. And when you get that, you start really changing the way you do things and think things. You know what allowed me to get there is watching my daughter, my 10-year-old. She, they are in their minds all the time. Sometimes I'll ask them a question in the car when there's quiet. And I'll say, are you excited about the second day of school this morning? And they'll respond, I really don't feel like talking right now. And I will say, okay. And then, um, you know, no qualifications for it. Not I'm sorry. Not what she thinks and what's happening in her mind, their mind, is the only thing that's important. Yes. To them. Yes. Yeah. The new record... um, is very revealing about your... It's kind of almost a breakup record, would you say? Yes. Yes. It's a breakup so record. i about it. Yeah. And um, Better Off Without You yes. pretty much says it all, right? It does. It does. And then the tagline, I hope you heal your heart. It's like realizing that I'm realizing anybody realizes they're better off without somebody. That mm. is huge. Yeah. Then there's no reason to cry. There was that moment where I was on the streets of Manhattan and I had been, you know, upset remembering this and that and what happened to all my money and what happened to all this, what happened to my career, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly I said, Sophie, why are you crying? You could just as easily be laughing. None of that stuff ever mattered to you. None of it. Right. In fact, you probably wanted out of the relationship a long time ago. You did, didn't you, Sophie? I asked myself. So why are you sort of hanging on to this sad sack thing of like, I lost this and I lost that and my son lost his other parent? Thank God my son lost his other parent, frankly. Well, she didn't really want to parent though, That's right? That's right. So, so could she parent really? I mean, no. and not if you don't want to. Not, and, and, and without, and again, without judging it, without casting dispersions, the cleanest thing is to say, oh, you don't? Okay, well, goodbye. Right. And, but so, you know, but so, it's the whole, all humans, we have, it's what they call hysterical is historical. That's what I've learned. So I, even though the breakup was actually the best thing that could have happened, I, I was traumatized by being betrayed. You lied to my face. Mm. You stole my happiness. And then the second verse, and then you took my best friend to bed. All these things are true. Everything I write in songs is true. 
Mm-hmm. What I say outside of songs, who knows? But the songs <laughs> are the truth. <laughs> You're so cute that you laughed at that. But anyways. But it's so true. When I sing that song, I say before the song, if you haven't experienced something like this, you haven't lived yet. Mm-hmm. Because it's really great yeah. to be able to separate Anyway, I think I've said it. I think the song says it better than me. But that moment, I realized, I said, why are you crying about things you never even cared about? Yeah. You it's know? so true. And that's such freedom, you know? It's such freedom. I mean, I, I have, I have um, you know, a couple friends and, and we have different feelings on what fame is and whether or not it does feed you. And uh, I know... Uh, that there are people who take it so much more seriously than me. Mm-hmm. And it's a very hard kind of friendship to manage sometimes, you know, because, you know, what it is, is an illusion anyway, right? It's a, re- it's projection and it's, uh, people cast you in the movie role that they want you to be. And, yes. you know, you don't have any control over it. like Hamilton, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, Right. You got to yes. live in, in the truth and, and know that the rest of it, you, again, have no control over. We're back there. Rose, that's really interesting. It's an interesting conversation. See, I don't actually hang out with famous people. And it's not on purpose. I always feel like I'm not famous enough or famous right. people won't really like me because I'm not really in the scene. So I don't have this discussion with anybody. Mm. And my kids always say, I, if, I don't know, they always think I'm just really not successful, and that's okay too. I don't have this discussion, but sometimes I feel like I should push myself to be famous. That's what I'm trying to say. And that was actually what pushed me to the realizing that I don't have to, I'm living in my mind. I don't have to be famous in my own mind. I just have to be me and enjoy what I'm doing. That's what this push, this, this feeling that you have to be famous is a very big pressure. Well, and it used to be that only entertainers felt this, but now teenagers feel this because you're so right. And you can get all of the perks of quote unquote celebrity, the photo shoots on the beach. I mean, you're you're lucky that your first child is is a son, uh, because by the time that you know the girls hit iPhone age, their whole life is about the image they're creating, and I think it's so damaging because we've seen through you know, history, the toxic effects of fame, and people have talked about it a lot, but for it to be the number one thing that teenagers want, to be a YouTube influencer, to be, you know, some uh, made-up image on your TikTok, on your, your, wherever you're doing it, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. But listen, Self, it's great to see you. I'm sorry I missed you and Judy Collins the night of the hurricane, um, earthquake, Yes. What, what, did you feel the earthquake? Because you were right yes, there. Yes, we got out of the car to get mm. a Starbucks before we went to the theater. And the earthquake happened right there as we opened the door. And, wow. and we'd driven through the hurricane to get to that place. Wow. That was something. I think this is, a, of course, a, a, it's going to happen a lot more. I agree. Obviously, Get ready because it's here, you know. It's terrifying. Listen, I love you very much. I missed I you those you. years we didn't uh, speak to each other. We're... we're um, we're devoid of, of kind of this kind of conversation, and, and I've missed this. So the record, Free Myself, Sophie B. Hawkins on Spotify or wherever you get your tunes. And uh, thank you for being here. Okay, everybody, stick around. We'll be back with questions from you, the loyal listener.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Did you enjoy that? I hope you did. We have some questions right now from you, the loyal listener. And uh, I never hear these until they roll them. And I'm always overwhelmed by the kindness of strangers. So you're not really strangers. You're sort of stranger friends, your listeners out there. But uh, here we go. Take a listen. Hey, Rosie. This is Andrew, and I am reaching out to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I am a huge fan of yours. I have been since I was a kid in the 90s, watching your show every single day. Um, My question for you is, I've recently been watching YouTube clips of... Emmy Awards from the 90s, and I keep re-watching the moment in 1999 when Susan Lucci finally won the Emmy after 19 nominations. And you are very prominent in that shot and in that moment as you're sitting what looks right behind her or next to her. And I I cry every time I see this moment and the room just erupted in in so much joy and it was so moving. Um, Could you kind of reflect on what that moment was like? You looked very emotional and and were crying, Um, but it it just strikes me as such an iconic moment in TV history. Um, Susan Lucci's amazing and to think she was nominated 19 times until she finally won is crazy. Anyway, just would love to hear you you kind of reflect on that night. Um, love you. Love the podcast. Thanks. Well, thank you, Andrew. Sweet, sweet, sweet of you to leave that message. You know, I recently saw that clip on TikTok too, and I got all choked up. You know, I um, was raised on Long Island and I knew Susan Lucci lived on Long Island. And that was like a huge thing that I used to drive around. Jackie's grandmother lived in the same uh, neighborhood 
uh, Susan Lucci. So I would always drive around, try to find Susan Lucci's house. My Nana loved all my children back when it was like a Bible-ish book opening. We watched it together and, and I've been watching it, you know, since I was a little girl. I grew up really loving Erica Kane and everyone in daytime loved her. She is the kindest, the sweetest, the I just think she's fantastic and and what a career she has had. You know, for so many people so defining of our teen years and you know, for me, my teen years and all the way up until it it went off the air, which I'm still upset about. Um, But that night I sat next to her and I had been there, you know, many times at the Emmys and she always lost and we were friendly. You know, she did my show often. She, I was on all my children as her maid, Naomi, and I just adore her. So I was very moved when she won. Now, before at the commercial break, before I leaned over and I said, do you want me to hold your purse? If you win, hand me your purse. And she's like, I'm not going to win, Rosie. I'm like, you're going to win, Susan Lucci. And she won. And then she gave me the purse. So I was just so happy for her and so happy for the tsunami of applause that waved over the whole crowd and smashed into her there on the stage. And it was a beautiful, beautiful night. And one of the best moments of all the Emmy Awards I've ever been to. So thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. And we have time for one more listener. Uh, Here we go. Roll it. Hi, Rosie. This is John from West Hartford, Connecticut. And I don't really have a question, but I wanted to share some feedback on the podcast. When I started listening uh, to your podcast, I was really interested to hear the interviews with your celebrity friends like Kathy Griffin and Ricky Lake. And I thought they'd be fun and entertaining, which they were. So when you had your first interview with a non-celebrity person, I almost didn't listen. Mm -hmm. And I think that person was a reality winner. But I started to listen and was really drawn into her story and the interview. And then you had um, the weight loss doctor, Dr. Rosen, as your guest. And I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, it's not a celebrity. I'm not going to listen. I want something light. But I started listening, and um, I was so interested in what he had to say. And then since then, you, you've done like um, Marcy Marie Simmons and, um, of course, Alexander Vindman and Lyle Menendez, uh, you know, who are you know, well-known, but really not celebrities, but just well-known because of their circumstances. And I really enjoyed those. And what I'm finding is that I'm really enjoying these non-celebrity interviews. And I don't know whether anybody has told you this yet, but you definitely have a different energy in those interviews. You are, I think, more inquisitive and interested or or inquisitive and interested in a different way um, with what they have to say. And I actually love that I'm learning things from those interviews. So although I enjoy the Celebrity Friends interviews without a doubt, these others have now become my favorites. So 
I just wanted to totally encourage you to do more of them. And I want to thank you, Rosie, for the podcast and all the entertaining that you've done for all of us for these many years. And uh, I will be listening. And I wanted to say it was fun seeing your big win on Pyramid this week. Thanks, Rosie. <laughs> oh, John, you are you the most adorable? I have to say, you know, when we started the podcast, I wasn't really sure what to do because I didn't really listen to very many. I've listened to a couple, but I, I'm not a devoted listener. I, w- I hadn't studied it, you know. Um, so when I got the podcast, I said, let's start with my friends. You're right to notice there's a difference when I interview someone like Reality Winner or, or Amy Nelson or Alexander Vindman. Uh, I feel so responsible to accurately reflect the truth of their story and allow them to speak it, that it's a different energy completely than when it's a buddy and we're just kidding around or or perhaps because they're performers, a bit of the performer in me comes out a little more than it does uh, in the interview with the non-famous person. But um, I agree. I am so thankful that you took the time to listen when you didn't think it was something interesting and know that I will never have a guest on that I'm not completely interested in because I can't do that. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave a message, onwardrosie at gmail.com. That's onwardrosie at gmail.com. Make yourself a voice memo and then send it over to us. And uh, it's easier than it sounds. Try it once and, and you'll get it. And thank you, Andrew. And thank you, John. I really do appreciate it. Next week, we have Angela Tucker. Angela Tucker has a new book out called You Should Be Grateful about being a transracial adoptee. Uh, It's a wonderful book. She's made a documentary that I really, really loved years ago. And we uh, connected a little bit on that one. And I'm so happy to talk to her about her book and her experience and her expertise. So uh, take a listen next week. Angela Tucker right here on Onward. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. 
We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.